Hello and welcome to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. As of May the 1st this year, it will be compulsory not only to have at least one smoke detector in the house, but to make sure that it's working. This brought to my mind that with winter approaching, how safe are some of the heating appliances we have around the house and how do we check them? To answer these questions and others, I have with me in the studio Graham Watson. Graham is the Community Risk Management Officer for Newcastle and Lake Macquarie. Graham, thanks for being with us. Thanks. Why have the government decided to bring this legislation in now? Um, it's been proven that smoke alarms do um, give people more chance of getting out of their house in case of fire, around two-thirds more chance. Um, there was a number of fatalities last year in New South Wales, and as a result of this, a push came to bring the legislation in. Um, so as you said, as of the 1st of May, um, it is now compulsory for anyone to have a smoke alarm, one for each level, um, in their house or unit, um, flats, villas, wherever they live. Okay. Yeah. Does this apply to other states? Um, in Victoria and South Australia, they've had this law in since 1999, and there's been a lot of um, there's been numbers to prove that it has... Um, been working. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been results from there. They have good coverage and we as a fire service are trying to get the same sort of coverage for um, our residents here. Um, since 1995, um, Australia-wide has been part of the building codes that new buildings must have smoke alarms installed but now what we're trying to do is get them into houses built, probably residents built prior to that date. In the new houses that are going up, are they put in onto the electrical system or do they still have a battery in them as well? It's actually, they are hardwired into the electrical system mm. um, with a battery as a backup in case of power failure so that they still work if there's, um, if there's no electricity, mm. but they are hardwired. Our legislation states that for the moment, um, battery operated are sufficient. Um, we as a service are trying to encourage people to actually get them hardwired because the, mm. we are hoping that those changes somewhere down the track it will become cost- compulsory that they are hardwired. So I, I guess they'll still need the battery, as you say, that, that the hardwired ones have now. They have the battery as a backup service. Yes, they do. Yeah. How long do a, does a battery last? Depending on the quality of battery. Um, if a good quality battery can last in a smoke alarm for 12 months, we mm. recommend that people test them regularly um, about once a month, give you a mm. smoke alarm a push. There's a button on there that says test, and if it makes a little chirpy noise, it's going all right. Uh, They're guaranteed if they do go flat to go off about 2 o'clock in the morning, I think, when you're sound asleep. So it's better to be prepared and change them. We try and recommend people actually pick a date, whether we we use um, the change of um, clock time with Mm. daylight savings as a reminder. You know, change your clock, change your battery and your smoke alarm at the same time. Uh, So a minimum of once a year, we suggest that you change. Do your batteries and and check them. Yes. You say that every every piece of accommodation needs to have a smoke alarm now. If a property is leased, who's responsible for putting it in, the tenant or the landlord? It's a good question. Um, the Department of, uh, sorry, the Office of Fair Trading have information on their website or on our website, which I'll give you later. But they're the ones who have said that landlords are responsible for the supply and installation of the smoke alarm. Um, plus a new battery at the commencement of each tenancy, which I take to mean if you've got a six-month lease and you re-sign another mm. lease, then they're the ones responsible. But if it goes flat while your lease is going, then it's up to the tenant to do. Mm. In the cases where there are elderly people who can't reach to in either install them or check them, change the battery, those sorts of things, is there any help for these people who 
you know, they can't stand on a chair. Yeah, we in New South Wales Fire Brigade have a program, which is a smoke alarm battery replacement program for the elderly, um, where we will come out and install smoke mm-hmm. alarms if necessary, but um, change batteries is what the original idea was. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we discourage people, um, for the elderly people to climb up on ladders or climb mm-hmm. up on chairs because falls are, are a common thing and a cause of injury. So if someone is to contact their local fire station in New South Wales, we will um, come out and change their battery. Now, because, as you can imagine, with the legislative changes, there's been a huge demand on this mm. service. So if someone has a neighbour or a, a relative that come, or a friend who comes and visits them, um, we encourage them to use those people mm. to do it for mm. them. But where they don't have that assistance, we're happy to do it. Does that also apply to, say, single mums or, or, or simply people who are living on their own who may be not safe to, to um, climb on a chair or something? Um, to me, a single mum is as capable of climbing up on a ladder as I, or on a chair as I mm. am. Um, but we, the program is aimed for the elderly, and that's mm. what it was designed for. If there's special circumstances, then yes, we will go on mm. and assist people. But generally, no, it's, it is aimed for the elderly. If you have a three-bedroom house on one level, how many smoke detectors would you need? Okay, that's a, a, a question will depend on who... Um, how the design of the house is. It's, mm. a, it's very much a local thing. Um, you're better to either go to our website or to contact your local fire station where we actually, on the website, we have diagrams showing if you've got two bedrooms at one end of the house, one bedroom at the other, then we recommend at least one for each area where the bedrooms are. Um, but there is better information available, as I said. Should these be located sort of outside the bedroom or in a hallway near the bedroom, near the lounge room even? Well, the most common time that smoke alarms will take effect or that will be used um, are nighttime when people are sleeping. So mm-hmm. therefore, near the bedrooms or near the accommodation is where we mm-hmm. recommend they go. If someone's hard of hearing, they may want to put it inside the bedroom and have a number yeah. of them and not, mm-hmm. you know, one is a bare minimum. That's one smoke alarm mm-hmm. is what the legislation says. We're encouraging people to get, there's two, sorry, two types of smoke alarms that pick up different types of fires. Um, we encourage people to get at least one of each for each area. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more detail of that available from the local station. I think some of the schools are encouraging the kids to be aware of fires and how to get down low and out of the way of smoke and things. Do you also advocate that the families know um, a fire escape route within the house? Definitely. We, we as a service will go into a school and we teach kindergarten and year one students mm-hmm. um, just basic fire safety information. But um, we are encouraging people that we have a smoke alarm. That's fine. Um, but when the smoke alarm goes off, if you're not sure what happens at night time, and I can tell you once a fire starts um, in broad daylight you can't see the hand in front of your face so in pitch black people get very disoriented very disoriented um two o'clock in the morning you wake Mm. up sleep in your eyes you can't see a thing you need to know and you know need to know ways out you need to know more than one form of egress or a way out of your house Mm. and we encourage people to have an evacuation plan to draw it up as a family um and to get the kids involved because the kids are the best polices mm. of these sort of things we go to the kids because they're the ones who will take it to the parents and push it with the parents when the parents get a little bit lax um the kids are encouraged or will encourage them so yeah mm. have an evacuation plan practice it in the daylight practice it at night know your way out you must know your way out because mm. you won't you may think yes i know where my front door is but when it's pitch black and smoke's yeah, pouring in you, yeah you, you get lost yeah. very easily yeah My guest today is Graham Watson from the Newcastle Fire Brigade and we're talking about fire safety. 
Graham, with the nights getting colder and some nights even at this stage are getting quite chilly, we turn to think about electric blankets and snuggling snuggling down with them. How can we be sure that a, an electric blanket is safe if it's not a new one? Um, we, along with any electrical appliance, um, we recommend that they're tested annually and I'm, I'm um, by a licensed electrician. Um, we encourage people when they put their electric blankets away not to fold them, not to stack things mm. on top of them, always put them on the top level of your wardrobe or out of the way and to roll them up before they do because they've got wires like anything. You wouldn't squash your mm. um, extension lead, you wouldn't squash the lead to your kettle so you shouldn't squash your um, electric blanket. I've heard of putting them um, when they're not in use, simply turning the mattress upside down so the blanket lies flat between the base and the mattress. Mm. Is this a good thing? Um I hadn't thought about that. Personally, we, we re- as I said, we recommend that you roll them up and, and store them on the top shelf somewhere. I'm just trying to think. You're squashing them. I, I don't know. I can't tell mm. you whether that would be... You would be keeping it flat. Um, so it may be a, a means of mm. storing them. Yeah, mm. obviously not plugged in, I would hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, if you had slats, that would make yeah, a difference. Make, but yeah. if you had, a you know, the solid base... An ensemble bed, yeah. yeah, that may be yeah. a way of storing it. Yeah. How long should we keep them before, you said 12 months before we had them checked by a professional electrician. Is there such a person trained to do that? Any licensed electrician can come out and you'll find that they can, um, in work sites they have to come out and test leads regularly. Mm. Um, so a licensed electrician would be able to test them, um, test mm. your electric blanket. Um, as far as how long to keep them, that would be a manufacturer's recommendation Mm. you know Mm -hmm. people can tell if things are starting to fray then maybe they should be Mm. careful but if you're testing them annually but getting them tested i should Mm. say you know they they should last as long as the the manufacturer recommends if you hadn't sort of got round to find an electrician what would you be looking for to think maybe i should get this done you would see, like, you can't see inside, but it's just like an electric lead. And if it's been folded, it'll be frayed. You'd feel, mm. feel there'd be damage. Um, the lead leading into it may be damaged. The rubber casing might be damaged. The power um, plug itself might be frayed, mm. that sort of thing. But it, yeah, that w- you, you can't see inside it. So you personally, or I wouldn't trust myself to say, yes, this is a safe thing. Mm. I would get it tested regularly. Mm. Do you find that electric blanket fires tend to start with the heating adjustment switch? Is that where they tend to go first? I, I couldn't tell you that. Yeah, I no. haven't looked into that. And I don't mm. know if there's enough evidence to support that or mm. to dis, dis support, mm. to unsupport. Or, mm. Should they be left on all night? We recommend no. We recommend the whole idea of an electric blanket is if people use them, which I don't. I don't like the idea that people mm. use it to warm their bed up so that when they get in, it's not cold on the sheets. We recommend if you are going to use one, turn it on before you get in, turn it off once you're in. And what about kids using blankets? Yeah, we, it's you're talking about bedwetting. Mm. Um, it's the same for people with incontinence. We recommend you don't use it. It's like any, you don't pour water onto a PowerPoint. It, mm. and anything that has electricity should not have fluids. Mm. So. If you were asked to consider an age for when a child should start having an electric blanket, what would you consider to be a reasonable age? I don't know when children would stop wetting the bed, you know, so I think it would be up to parents' mm. own discretion, you know. They, no one knows children better than their own parents. They're the ones who decide. If they've got children who aren't bedwetters, then it might be safe to do yeah. so. Yeah, Since we're talking about appliances, how common is it to overload a PowerPoint? Yeah, people, people tend to overload PowerPoints a lot. 
um, and power boards, particularly now with computers, any computer setup at home needs about six or seven or eight power points for mm. the printers and the scanners and all that sort of thing. So it is a common thing. Um, we encourage people not to do it, obviously. It's an unsafe practice. It's, um, it, if people are going to use power boards, which are safe to do so, get ones with safety switches built in um, and don't piggyback, don't use double adapters on top of double adapters in their normal power points or on their power boards. They do tend to get a bit hot, don't they? They do, especially, yeah, if you're yeah. using the wrong, a lot of heating appliances or something, yeah. If you had a, an electric fire, for example, mm-hmm. um, a heater, mm-hmm. uh, my pommy background keeps coming up, but if you had an electric heater, uh, what would be a safe number of, of appliances to have in one socket? That would, again, depend on the manufacturer's recommendations mm. on the power board or on the, so- the power point itself. Mm. Um, obviously, as you say, heating appliances like electric heaters or mm. um, fan heaters, they drain a lot of power. Um, if you were to use a power board for just normal lighting and that sort of thing, it doesn't take anywhere or doesn't use anywhere as of much as of much power mm. as a heater. So using all the points is fine, but if you're going to use blow dryers, heaters and that sort of thing, you may want to hold back and use a different power point, not overload your socket. And with wood heaters, we've talked about electric heaters, with wood heaters, how often should a chimney be checked? I, I personally don't... Um, have it heat, have a wood heater, but I've been told that to check it annually because you don't know what's happened. So around now it's starting mm. to cool down, or last month or so it's been getting a bit cool. Before people use them, they get in the experts, get them to clean out their chimney because the build-up can happen, and mm. especially over winter or over summer. Sorry, who knows? Got birds nesting or whatever. It's yeah. blocked your chimney, yeah. so get it done before you start using it each year. And if you've got either an open fire, um, an open fireplace, like a um, an electric heater you know with the with the imitation coal behind it so you've got an open area and even with a wood heater should they have a a fire guide around them at all times particularly for the children well the wood the wood burners um you need a fire guard around it because of ember embers get popped Mm. out of the fire um so to protect your carpet or to protect your floors and to keep children away because children have an inbuilt fascination with fire as we all know um, as far as electric heaters, that's more of a, a common sense parent thing. Keep your children away from it. I don't mm. know if a guard would work around a fire, uh, mm. around an electric heater. I'm not mm. sure, but you know, you just want to make sure if you've got a wood heater, make sure mm. that you cover it with your with your guard. With an electric heater, just keep people, keep your kids away from it. Mm. You know. And um, I know that a lot of people do have um, electric dryers in their laundry, but you still see particularly when the weather's damp and the wet, washing hasn't quite dried, they'll put them on a clothes horse in front of a fire. How close should that dryer be to the fire? Well, that's a bit of a, a firefighter's nightmare to see that sort of thing. It's not encouraged at all, you know. Mm. People usually have a, an outside area. They can use their clothes horse dry it under the, the veranda, under the carport, under um, your pergola, whatever, in the garage, something like that. Don't put it in front of the heater. And I wouldn't say one metre, two metres or three metres is a safe mm. distance. I recommend you don't do it. Don't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. You're listening to Wellbeing and we're talking about fire safety in the home and I'm talking with Graham Watson. I'm sure, Graham, in the course of your working life that you must have seen the results of many house fires. What's the most common the most common cause of a fire. Mm. Um, our statistics show us that it's usually in the kitchen, 
um, nearly half fire, half of the fires we attend, or resident, residential fires, start in the kitchen, and it's usually because people have left the cooking and gone out, or gone to the door, or gone to the telephone. If you remember the TV commercial mm. many years ago, oh my goodness, the chips, and it, it's a very common thing. And we um, still do that. A lot of people still do it all the time. Mm. Yeah, mm. and you say, oh, I would never do it. I would never, but it's something. It just happens. People fires mm. start. You know, no matter how mm. careful people are, fires start. As I said, the kitchen's a common place. Sleeping quarters or sleeping areas is another um, another common cause. Um, we can't, I can't tell you whether it's because of people falling asleep with cigarettes or candles in their mm. um, bedroom for lighting or whatever it is, but that's the second most common area for a fire to start. Now that smoking is sort of almost on the way out and they're certainly much more restricted, do you still get as many cigarette burn fires as you know, started with a cigarette as you used to? Well, we've got statistics that show us that nearly 5% of fires um, result from people falling asleep. Now, that's not always from cigarettes. It's, sometimes it's mm. from cooking being left um, mm. unattended, but that is still a common cause, yeah. Mm. So it's, um, I guess what, what I'm hearing is that we should all be very vigilant as far as fire is concerned and not take any chances. No, that's right. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Would you recommend that every kitchen... And workplace, like perhaps Dad's shed down the down the backyard, should have a fire blanket and and or an extinguisher. Um, yeah, definitely. Any sort of fire protection that you have is is better than none. Um, the main reason for a fire blanket to be used is the case of oil fires, and that's why they're they're recommended in the kitchen. Um, extinguishers might be more more prevalent or more necessary down in the garage in the shed but an extinguisher inside's great because the fire may not be an oil fire which is cooking left unattended mm. it may be as a result of a powerpoint or something being dropped on the floor um, and therefore an extinguisher would be great but uh, fire blankets are definitely encouraged mm. for all kitchens with extinguishers you have them for electrical fires and and wood fires or other types of fires which would be the most commonly used there are CO2 extinguishers, which mm. is a cooling gas, which we use on um, electrical fires. And mm. then there's water, which is um, compressed, which is used on, um, or put under pressure, I should say, to be used on a wood fire. So depends on where you have it mm. um, as to what, mm. alarm, what type of extinguisher to use. But basically a CO2 extinguisher would be the most common to have in your house. Mm. We often see on, on television where caravans and, and mobile homes have sort of become... Um, I was going to say under fire, but that's not, perhaps not quite the right description. But being in a fire, um, you know, where that's where the fire started. Are they any more dangerous than living in a house? Um, we don't have any statistics to prove that it's any more common to have a mm. fire in a caravan than in a house. Um, one thing with the new legislation that's come in is that they're not required to have a smoke alarm in a caravan or a tent or a camper van, but... Um, some of these caravans are converted to permanent residence. People take mm. wheels off or A-frames mm. off. And if that's the case, then we interpret the, the law to say, yes, they should have a smoke alarm in it. Then it comes down to the fact that it's usually a fairly small area and mm. people would have to look into it as to what sort of smoke alarm would be most prevalent or most um, mm. suitable for their mm. accommodation. But there's nothing to say, yes, there's more fires in a caravan than in a house. We hear a lot about elderly people going into retirement villages. Um, and I guess where they go depends on their their own physical capabilities and mental maybe as well. Do these um, villages have their own fire training sessions or is it left up to the individual? Um, I think that depends on the village itself, whether it's a, a um, cooperative one that has 
sort of a central eating area or mm. if, if it's that type of thing mm. or if it's just um, aged living, you know, mm. where people can live in the same area if they're seniors. Um, so, it, as I said, it depends on what sort of setup it is. But where's the service? And New South Wales will come out and talk to people in the groups, whether it's a seniors group in an area like that or if there's a church group, if it's... Um, a work group, anything, we'll come out and we mm. can give basic fire safety information. So if any of the listeners want that sort of thing for their, um, for where they reside, all they do is contact their local fire station. Um, and um, that's common right throughout the, the state? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. South Wales. We, we provide that service of fire safety information to mm. whoever needs it. We need to get our fire safety um, message out there. That's our job. Um, not just put out fires, but try and prevent them. And if that means coming out to talk, I've been to... Um, places where there's 10 people living and they've got a little um, residence of their own, they want information, you go there and you talk to them and you give them the information. Graham, is there anything else that you would like to impress upon us as listeners and as members of the community um, regarding fire safety? Um, the main thing I can repeat again is the legislation came into effect on the 1st of May. We really need people to, or encourage people to... Um, to abide by the law, mm. get themselves at least one working smoke alarm per level. Um, the phone number, if anyone does have any issues, of course, is triple zero. Mm. Um, if there's a problem, if you want some help, then don't call triple zero. <laughs> if it's just for fire safety information, contact your local fire station whose numbers are in the phone book. Um, for more information on the legislation or on any fire safety information, you can go to our website, which I will give you, which is www.fire.nsw dot gov dot au um, and there's all sorts of information there from fire safety information through mm. to recruitment to um, anything that people need to know about our service the legislation is already in yep. do we have um, a time gap which will allow us to you know save a month or something to have these things installed the legislation took effect on the first of may and that's mm. all that's it to it yep um, we encourage people to do it at the moment there's no one who's going to come and knock on your door um, mm. We're not sure how it will be policed, but there is a fine out there now. Mm. There's a, fl- a fine in place if you don't um, follow the law. Um, so please, we do just encourage you to go out there mm. and, and get yourself a smoke alarm. There's different types of smoke alarm. There's information on that on our website or from your local fire station. Um, we encourage that at least one um, photoelectric type smoke alarm. Mm. Um, but as I said, they get information from the website mm. or from your local fire station give you more detail on different types. Now, I know that very recently here in Newcastle you've had a, a fire station open day where you've encouraged the community to go and have a look round. Can you do this at any time in a fire station? Yeah, we have our official statewide open day, um, which usually coincides with the start or during sort of mid-autumn. Um, Yes, the fire stations are always there. Some of them are permanent stations where people are are there 24 Mm. hours a day. Others are part-time stations where people respond on a pager. Mm. Um, So, yes, go to your fire station, go and talk to them, take the kids down, show them over the fire engine, get them used to seeing us. Um, We encourage that at any time, but Mm. with the retained stations, they're not always there, so that may be the only drawback. But people are more than welcome to come and visit us. They don't have to make an appointment or they can just drop in. Yep, but remembering that we are an emergency service, so we may be out... (laughs) So on the fire emergencies yeah <laughs> graham thank you very much for coming in and giving us so much information and um i'm sure that not only the the older generation are aware of the dangers of fire but that children also are becoming very much uh, aware and uh, i hope that everyone has been listening very carefully to your advice 
My guest today has been Graham Watson and he's the Community Risk Management Officer for Newcastle and Lake Macquarie area. You've been listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and from all of us here, we wish you well.